0: Sisters and brothers, if you would, repeat after me, please. Thank God, God. it's Sunday. Sunday. Thank God, God. it's it's Sunday. Now, I know that whenever two or three of us gather in Jesus' name on a Sunday, there are those of us who indeed thank God for Sunday and are happy to be here. Now, I also know there are some other people who were told to be happy to be here. Which one are you? I'll tell you which one I am. I love Sunday's church. I get here fairly early, do some things that I need to do that are important for me and for ministry here on Sunday morning. But I love being a part of Sunday school. I love hearing the interaction that we have with one another. I love hearing how we wrestle with Scripture together. I love hearing the doubts that we have sometimes. I love hearing how God's Word inspires us when we talk about it together. I love coming to a place like this and seeing faces that are new to me, but even new to most of us. I love coming and, and singing together. I love praying together. I love hearing Scripture Together because all of these things are things that we need as the body of Christ. Very good. But there's another part of Sunday that is just as meaningful to me. That might even be the most meaningful part of my Sunday. My Sunday nap. Now, I'm sure it's in the Bible somewhere. If it's not, I'll get a pencil and put it in there. Every pastor deserves a Sunday nap. And let me tell you what happens at my house. We get done here. We go home. Sometimes I eat. Most of the time I eat. Let me just put it that way. And then I say, all right, family, I love you. I'll be back. And I hit that pillow where I get into that recliner. And sisters and brothers, you've never seen a big guy like this so motionless. It's just gone. And let me tell you what, if I don't get my Sunday nap, you've seen them Snickers commercials. You're not you when you're hungry. I'm not me when I don't get my nap. You all think I'm nice. You all think I'm OK. But if I don't get my Sunday nap, I get a little grumpy. And I used to feel bad about that. But today's passage gives us a little freedom, if you will, to to be okay with that. If you're paying attention, if last several weeks we've listened to Mark tell a story of the disciples of Jesus. In fact, uh, Mark doesn't always give the disciples a good reputation. In in the book of Mark, they come off as being the people who just can't get it right with Jesus. They're confused by things he says. They don't understand him. Uh, They fight with one another. Man, this sounds like church, doesn't it? So sometimes the disciples don't come across as being the perfect example of a disciple of Jesus. But this is one time, at least, in the book of Mark where they seem to get it right. If you remember, Jesus sent them out. Mark at that point said that Jesus called in the twelve, the disciples, and he sent them out. You remember? Two by two. He told them what to do, what not to do when they went. And Mark says as they went and did the things that Jesus said to do, the things that he said not to do, they were able to do amazing things. Things People were healed because of what they were doing. People heard the good news because of what they were doing. So much so that now, as Mark tells us that these people are finished with their work for now, they come and they gather to Jesus. But Mark says the apostles come to gather around Jesus. Now, that's that's an upgrade for Mark to call the disciples that a disciple in and of itself is a learner. If you call yourself a disciple of Jesus, you're learning about Jesus. The assumption is you're learning how to follow Jesus. An apostle is someone who is sent out. Jesus gathered all those learners and he sent them out two by two. And because they did what he said to do and what not to do, they saw amazing things. Mark recognizes that and he says, you know what, these guys, at least for this time, they were apostles. They did it. Good job. And you know it was a good job. One, because Mark already told us. But you can almost feel the excitement as they're gathering, gathering around Jesus, telling him Everything. They saw, telling him everything they were able to teach the people. You can almost feel the excitement. You can see the smiles on their faces. And Jesus, he recognizes something. These guys have been busy. And it's been a good busy. They went and did what I told them to do. Good things happened. And it's happening still right now. As Mark tells us as they're going on, people had been coming, so many people had been coming that they didn't even have a chance to eat. That scares people like me, friends. <laughs> Jesus says, "I know what you need. You need to rest." You've done so much. Good job. I'm proud of you. You, you did it. I knew you, That's why I sent you out. I knew you could do it. I know you need rest. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to go away. We're going to find a deserted, a lonely place just for us to be together as a teacher and his learners. Jesus recognized that those disciples, those apostles, needed rest. And not only did he recognize it, it seemed to be an important thing for Jesus to offer them. He could have just said, you know what, you're tired, suck it up, we still got stuff to do. That's not what he said. He said, let's go find somewhere and get some good rest. Jesus wants us to have rest, friends. Some of you remember the passage when he stood up and said, Come to me, all you who are burdened, and I will give you And you would think, being the creator of the universe, being the one who put everything into order, being the one that the mountains worship with their song, you would think that he would have been able to find some small place where they could be alone. But as you see, as you, you hear in Mark, Jesus wasn't a very good travel agent. Let's go find a place where we can be alone and rest. Well, you know what? They can't find a place. Because they get on their boat to go to that place, wherever it is, and people follow them even still. People find, they recognize Jesus, they recognize those guys who have been going around saying and doing what they've been saying and doing, and they want more, or they want to hear it for the first time for themselves. They want to be a part of it. They want to be able to hear Jesus, to touch Jesus. And I can imagine some of those disciples thinking, We had them first. Here's what Jesus does. They're looking for that place to find rest. Mark tells us that Jesus had compassion on those people because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so he stopped everything that he was doing. He interrupted the plans that he had made with the disciples and himself, and he stopped and he taught, he spoke, he spent time with those people that he had compassion for. Now, Mark doesn't tell us this, but I imagine the disciples are a little upset right now. You said we were going to go somewhere, Jesus. Jesus. Golly, can't go anywhere with this guy without him having compassion for people. Church, I hope you hear me when I say this. Um, I think I've read every uh, church growth book there is. I've I've heard. A lot of people, I won't say names of people, and there's so many ideas about what you have to do to grow your church, about what you have to do to be be vital, about what you have to do to be effective, blah, 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 blah. I'm going to write a book, and it's going to be one sentence long, and I'm going to give it to you right now. Churches die because they get what Jesus just did backwards. You see, churches tend to be like these disciples who hear Jesus say, let's rest a while. We like that. We want that. God gives it. God promises it. But along the way to finding our rest, you you have to understand that there is nowhere you and I can go where there is not the need for Jesus. There's nowhere where we can go where people don't need the touch of the Savior's hand. And what tends to happen is we want to get upset too. But this is my church. And God was supposed to give me rest. And we don't realize that God stops Often. Because he has compassion for the people who need it. You see, I don't think Jesus was forgetting the disciples and what they were on their way to do. But he saw people who needed something particular from them. He looked out and saw people who were like sheep that didn't have a shepherd. See, you've got to understand this, friends. Those disciples were were walking with Jesus himself. They had a shepherd. As a matter of fact, they had the, the good shepherd. They were walking with the shepherd. The shepherd was leading them. Anywhere they went, they had the shepherd's hands around them. Jesus saw people who didn't have a shepherd and he had compassion on them. And what churches do is we mix that up. When God wants us to stop and have compassion for those people who don't have a shepherd yet. You see, our focus gets a little twisted. Our focus tends to be on the rest that we want instead of being on the compassion that God wants. Y'all with me? If we could figure that out as the church, there'd be a, there wouldn't have to be another church growth book to ever be written. We wouldn't have to go to some silly seminar again. You wouldn't have to hear people talk about it if we understood what Jesus just did. Even though the rest was important for the disciples, what Jesus stopped everything to do was to show compassion for the people who didn't already have a shepherd. Now, that's easy to amen, friends. But I think sometimes we forget. I think sometimes we forget what it was like to not have a shepherd. And how much we needed one. And what we also realize is that as churches, we we lose our we lose our our purpose. We we lose. I'm going to say it. We lose in in some way the presence of the Holy Spirit too concerned about ourselves. You ever been to a church and you think. Well, that was a waste of time. Usually it's those churches that focus on themselves that feel like that. But even as individuals, as people. When you and I can learn to have the kind of compassion for those people who don't know what it's like to be loved by God. When we miss that element, we're missing something important in our own life as well. Amen. That's right. And don't get me wrong. Jesus doesn't forget us. Jesus would never forget us. I'm sure eventually those disciples in Jesus found that quiet time that they needed. And I I, I want you to realize this, that um, if you you saw, we skipped over some, some verses. And that's kind of disturbing to me because we skipped over... Some powerful verses. These are like, these are home run verses for preachers. When Jesus feeds the 5,000, we all know that story. Boy, I can preach that sermon there, y'all. And then there's the one about Jesus walking on water. We skip that one too. Oh, that's an easy one for any preacher to get a hold of. But we skip those because sometimes I think it's easy to focus on those powerful things that we see God can do. And forget why he did them. See, there's no feeding of the 5,000 if Jesus doesn't have compassion for those people he sees. And there's no walking on water if Jesus doesn't care for those disciples. We miss out on so much of the power of God when we cut out the compassion of Christ in our own hearts. We could be seeing lives touched every single day as long as we take the focus off of ourselves and put it to where God's focus is. For those who seem like sheep without a shepherd, because this is what we learn as, uh, as people who follow God. Under a regular sense of thinking, it feels like, well, if we forget about ourselves, nobody's going to take care of us. If we focus on other people, if we do everything we can to show compassion to other people, well, who's going to take care of us? Um, what's this guy's name? Uh, Jesus. Jesus. There is an abundance of grace, friends, that is available, that is here for every single one of us. And what I want you to hear me today say is that Christ doesn't just give us rest. Christ is our rest. Friends, we have a shepherd. As a matter of fact, We have the good shepherd, just like the disciples did. And when we continue to follow Christ with our lives, we have that rest ourselves. Even if we don't get our Sunday nap, even if we don't get to get away, we have our rest. And that rest is Christ Jesus himself. Now, the rest may come in a nap, in about two hours or so. But the rest may also come in the form of an answered prayer. Think about how hard it can be to pray and to pray and to pray and the, the relief it is when you can say, God just answered a prayer. Rest may come when you and I decide that it is time for me to commit my life fully to God. I've been out searching, searching, finding other things to do, finding other ways to fill my life, but I understand today that my only rest is when I offer my life completely to God. God is our rest. And when you and I follow God, we get our rest. Are y'all with me? And so what we need to understand, we get rest then for a reason. When you go home and you've had enough, you've worked all day, you've put up with bosses, you put up with that coworker, you know who I'm talking about, you put up with church folk, you put up, you go home and it's time to rest. Why do you go home and rest so that you can get right back up the next day and do it again? Can you imagine if you decided to go to work on Monday morning without sleeping at all since Friday night? I don't want to go to work with you like that. God is our rest. We come here on Sunday, every Sunday, because this is where we are reminded that God is our rest. And we come here for this short amount of time to get rest so that then we can be ready to get to work. Whether it's feeding 5,000 people or 70-something on a Saturday. Whether that work is in a school. Whether that work is in an office. Whether that work it's somewhere in the streets, whether that work is in a church, whether that work is at home with your family. We come here to get the rest that God offers to us, that God is so that we are then ready to get to work so that we can show the compassion that Christ has. Are y'all with me? I love Sundays, friends. It's where I find my rest it's where I come find my rest so I can get ready for the rest of the week to put up with all the church stuff that goes on. That was a joke, y'all. But God is our rest. It's my prayer that as you sit there, as you sing, and as you pray, that you're finding that rest today. In Jesus' name. Amen. But we should pray, friends, because here's the truth. Sometimes Sunday is just one of those things we got to check off and say we did so we don't get in trouble with Mama or somebody else. Sometimes church is just something we do because we don't even know why. It's just we're here. We need to pray because quite often we find, we try to find our rest in other things and we wonder why we are so restless. So today, if you want to be filled with the rest of God, uh, I want you to pray with me. For some of us, uh, it's a, uh, an important part of our experience to pray at the altar railing. And if uh, you want to do that, I would invite you to come forward, any and all of you uh, who would like to pray. But sisters and brothers, the important thing now is not whether you're up here praying, whether you're sitting where you are praying. The important thing is that we just pray together. Amen. Amen. So let's pray. Oh God, we are here this morning because we know you have called us to be here. This is a good place for us to be, Lord. A time for us to connect with your people and time for us to connect with you. So, God, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to worship together. This time when we have to recommit our lives to you and to be ready for the things. That you want to do in our lives and through our lives. But God, we do want to ask for your forgiveness. Because there are plenty of other things that would seek to take us away from you. There are other things that can take our attention away from your power and your promise. And too often, Lord, we respond to those things over you. But today, God, we have heard that you want to offer us rest and that indeed you are our rest. And it's our prayer that we could all find that now in this moment. Fill our hearts, Lord, with the presence of your Holy Spirit so that as we are reminded that we are loved by you, so that as we are filled with your power ourselves, we can be ready to show compassion just like Jesus did so that we can be ready to serve your world with the heart that we need God all of us are here we are all the same in your eyes and you are ready to do great and powerful things among us and God for that we are thankful and it's our prayer now as we as we commit ourselves to you you would use our lives to be a blessing to your world. God, we pray all these things then in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who was teaching each one of us how to live with this compassion when he taught us how to pray this prayer Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven.